Welcome to Experiencing God's Goodness. My name is Michelle Corgett, and today I want to invite you to join me as we hear stories of how individuals have walked through some incredibly difficult times and found God waiting for them in the middle of their darkest hour. We will hear some awesome testimonies of how God has shown up time and time again in the lives of these individuals and how they have experienced God's goodness. Today I want to welcome a new guest, Nicole. And you know, Nicole, I first got to know who you were via social media. Uh, you probably don't know this story, but we have mutual friends. Uh, before I ever even started going to uh, the same church as you, uh, a friend of mine did. She was the director of women's ministry at the time, and she was following you, I think, on Facebook. And I was following your story on Facebook, which at the time, I believe your daughter was having brain surgery. And so, again, your story has been really incredible. Your story is very different from the stories that we've been telling lately. Uh, The stories that we've been telling have been more about people, their story of coming to know Christ. Your story really has a lot more to do with um, you, you already knew Christ. And it's a story of just finding his goodness in some really, really dark times uh, that was concerning your daughter's health. So uh, welcome to the Thank show. You. Thank you. Let's just jump right in, though. What? Tell us kind of what happened, and, and we'll go from there. Okay. My daughter was born a little over 15 years ago, and uh, she was my second child. I was very excited to be having a little girl. I already had a little boy. And I thought I was going to get my perfect little family. And uh, when she was born, she was healthy, and we thought everything was good. And that lasted about 10 days. And we realized that she had a uh, something going on with her eye. And so it one thing led to another in her early years, and uh, she needed eye surgery. Then she didn't recover from eye surgery. And wound up back in the hospital uh, with a failure to thrive diagnosis, which then led us over to Stanford Children's Hospital. We became aware that she had three heart conditions that were going to need open heart surgery to repair. Wow, three. Yes. that That's a lot. So she is she's still a newborn at this point. Yes, she's uh, al- almost two months old okay. at that point. So she's already had eye surgery. Mm-hmm. Now she's in the hospital with failure to thrive, and now you're looking at open heart surgery. Yes. It was very a very scary time. I, I can only imagine. I would say that kind of began the journey of the Lord beginning to loosen my grip on my child, my plans for her life, uh, my expectations of what life was going to look like. And he began to show me that he had a different story and a different plan for her. And the only way I was going to endure that season, um, and I didn't know it was going to become a lifelong season at the time, but the only way I was going to endure that season would be to start the process of surrendering her and um, to his plans for her life. So for those people who don't really understand the concept of surrender, how would you describe that? It's not, I don't think it's, I picture it like, okay, I picture a bad guy where the cops are running behind them and going, surrender, and they are turning around and putting their hands up, right? Sure. How does that look like, though, when we talk about surrendering to God? Mm. 
Great question. For me, it has a lot to do with my heart and letting go of the resistance and the anger at every turn, the not necessarily the questioning, but the battling of not wanting what he has. And so I would say that I found a lot of solace in that season through the Psalms, because the Psalms are a great book of people not being happy with their circumstances and wondering why a good God would allow these things to happen in their life. And the freedom to be real and honest with that. I think growing up in the church, my experience was that you just obey and God's just always right. And you're just always the one that's wrong if there's a gap there. And so you just got to get on board with God and obey. And I was at a season of my life where that was no longer working because my heart was not getting on board. Um, And I needed to be at peace you know, the old hymn, it is well with my soul. My soul needed to get on board. I couldn't just go through the motions. This was too big. And uh, the Psalms really led me to a place of realizing, no, I can talk to God. I can be honest with God. I can question, but at the end of the day, I want to settle into a place of peace that says, your will be done, not mine. You know what's best. Um, And God was so faithful over and over to show me when things would, little things would happen different than I would have done it. And then I could stop and go, oh, God did that. Maybe he does know what he's doing. Oh, I wouldn't have picked it that way, but he did. And look how it worked out for the best. And so he really started creating this testimony, if you will, or proof. I hate to say that God doesn't owe me proof, but he he really began to show his faithfulness and prove himself worthy of my surrender and my trust and my letting go and saying, okay, God, you can have her. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, this is what you've chosen. So yes to your will. It's hard. Oh, absolutely. It's not what I would have picked. But when I see over and over the fruit of what he would do. When I experienced the encounters with the people that we spent time with and shared the love of God with that we never would have come in contact with had we not been at that hospital at that time in those seasons, God showed me this is this is the story that I have for you. And this is the life that I've called you to and surrender and obedience to walk faithfully in this. We're both going to be, you know, happiest if we follow <laughs> <laughs> what God has laid out for us. If I just don't keep fighting to yeah. your nail, yes. Well, really, I'm we. I am miserable when I'm fighting God's plan. Yes, and I don't want to sit in resentment and anger and disbelief, and that's what lack of surrender brings me to. Although I'm guessing that that is a terrible place to be with your daughter, you know, in the hospital struggling for her life literally and saying god if you want to take her you can take her that goes against everything as a mom absolutely but you were able to do that i'm sure during this time you came across other parents in the hospital were you able to share share christ with them or share at least that love with them absolutely yes and even even more than other parents, sometimes it was the nurses. Wow. That's who you spend a lot of your time with. 
and they saw something different in us and would often comment. I mean, there were times that we would be at the hospital for six weeks. So they really get to know you. They get to know, you know, they walk in on your marital discussions on how you're going to handle the next thing and they see how you interact. And they commented about the difference between Jeremy and I and how we would handle things. And we were able to say, you know, without Christ in us, without God unifying us, without the spirit leading us, we would not be in this place. So your daughter has her her heart surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, how old was she when she had her, her her last heart surgery? Her most recent heart surgery, she was seven. Okay. Now, the story doesn't stop there, though. Oh, no. It was quite a roller coaster. Actually, the condition that she has has only recently in the last couple of years been given a name and it was not even identified until she was five. So when she was a baby and we left after her first couple heart surgeries, there, there was problem after problem after problem. And we kept thinking there must be some link, some connection, but they never could place it or identify it for us just because it hadn't been identified yet out in the medical community. It was that rare. And so she went on to have a stroke in Target one day right before she was five. So we wound up back on a helicopter back to Stanford. The Lord provided for the pediatric stroke specialist to be on call at that moment there when we landed. She was able to meet us and um, we were able to figure out From that point, new testing had just come, and uh, they were able to identify a gene mutation that she had that finally connected all the smooth muscle in her body. So all the things that were wrong were connected to this gene mutation that affects the smooth muscle. So all of her organs have been impacted by it. That is incredible. How does she, well, so she has a stroke, Mm -hmm. and so what did that recovery look like? We were... In the hospital, probably about five days at that time, she went back to her baseline, which is, you know, her typical, her normal. Yeah. Um, She also began to have TIAs, which are like mini strokes that don't cause permanent damage. So we were able to see on her brain MRI that she had had several strokes in the past that had caused permanent damage that we just didn't know how it was going to flesh out. And I remember at that time, um, so often through the years, you know, you try to hold on to hope somehow. You try to tell yourself it could be worse. It could be this. It could be that. And we would sit up in one of the offices for her appointment and across the hall was neurology and neurosurgery. And I remember I would always say, at least it's not her brain. At least it's not her brain. And so in that moment when it became her brain too, it was like another reckoning with the Lord. Like, you're asking even more of me. You know this is this is the no-go zone, Lord. But he said, nope, come with me. Trust me. I have a plan even in this. And so he was, again, so faithful to show up, so faithful to pull me into surrender, into trusting him with her. And remembering all along, the phrase that I just got to was, even if, even if you take her, even if it's my worst imaginable circumstance, you are still good, you are still God, and you are still worthy to be praised. And that became kind of my mantra where I had to rest and trust and know that, you know, he had numbered her days from the beginning. This 
was not a surprise to him. And every time something would shock me new, oh, we're dealing with something new. The Lord would gently remind me, this has been my plan all along. This is not new and this is not surprising. I am a gracious God who only reveals to you what you need to know in the moment and what you can handle for the time being. Because I like control and I like to think that I will handle this much better if I just have all the facts, Lord, just give it to me straight and then I can handle it and move on. But, you know, that's when we are trying to handle things in our own strength. And the Lord knows I'm not even close to strong enough to handle all of his plans for Charlotte at one time. He lovingly and graciously would unfold the next story and then be there to help me walk through that next part. And so uh, he was he was definitely faithful to show me that he knew what he was doing. He had her days numbered. And um, and I still go back to that now. You know, 15 years later, it's still a matter of her life is in his hands. And he knows the number of days that he has for her. And I'm going to choose to be okay with that. But that doesn't make it not hard. Right. I, I'm, I'm only imagining that there are some very scary times Absolutely. that take place. I, I would wish that we had video on podcasts sometimes because I would show a video, um, not that I have one, but I would love to show a snapshot of Charlotte today mm. because we recently at our church had a time of worship, and I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, that evening of worship was so incredible because the young people, and Charlotte was just there in the middle of it, down in front of the crowd on their knees, just worshiping and crying out to God. And it was just so telling of of really where God has brought her, because this has been a fact in her life from day one. How do you see that she has coped with all of this? It's so interesting that you bring that up, because she really is at the age where, you know, 15 years ago, it felt like mine and Jeremy's story. But now it's very much her story and watching her now grapple with her condition, God's sovereignty over it. It's like I'm going through it all over again in a weird sort of way, trying to help her. Recently, she came home from church with the story of the blind man who was born blind. And he said, the the disciples questioned Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And God said, no, it is for the display of God's glory that he was born this way. Nobody sinned. And Charlotte was like, God made me this way. God created me this way on purpose. And that verse, those passages were instrumental early on for Jeremy and I as we wrestled through. And to watch her now be wrestling through herself, God bringing her to the same passages of Scripture, reminding her that he is sovereign, that yes, he has created her this way. And sometimes she has a hard time with it. And I have to remember to take a step back and let her have that wrestle with the Lord and recognize it's my job to point her to Jesus, but I don't have to convince her or talk her into just um, just believe or just trust. I need to let her wrestle, and that's hard. I need to let her wrestle through and figure it out for herself that her God is faithful and good. And she's, she's an old soul, and, you know, the Lord— 
put his hand on her early and she there were times when she'd be under anesthesia for a dream or something and she she'd have a dream that she was sitting on God's lap. She she knows the nearness of the Lord. I trust her relationship with the Lord because I've seen God be there for her in ways that are just extraordinary for a young child. But as she enters these teenage years, she's also a normal human teenager who has to figure this stuff out. And the Lord will close the gap between what she knows to be true and what she feels and fears as she wrestles and struggles her way through it. You know, as she continues to grow as a young person, has it been a struggle for you as a mom to it's one thing to say while she's under, you know, doctor's care, God, you're in control of this. But when she's making some of her own choices, has that been difficult to give her that space and, and give her room to make choices and the freedoms? Like, sure, go to church camp without us. And <laughs> what's that been like as a mom? Yeah, you know, at every corner, I find new surrender <laughs> required, a new level or a new angle or a new um, challenge. And yes, you're so right, because that's the current struggle in this season. And as I look ahead even to the next couple of years and think, oh, that's going to get even greater. Lord, how am I going to trust you when it also involves trusting her? Because anybody who's raised teenagers or sent somebody launched a child recognizes that they're just not ready <laughs> You can't really be totally ready for that next step. You just have to step out and do it. And yes, it is extra scary with her because she doesn't always make the right choices for her health, to be honest. And uh, this condition that she has, because it's so rare, there's not a lot of data. She happens to be one of the oldest living humans with it. The oldest living human that we know that had it, she ended up having a stroke and she was sick at the time. And as a mother, my thoughts instantly went to her mother and how she felt like, did she try to nag her to go to the doctor? Did she try to nag her to take better care of herself? All those things where you recognize at some point, you have to let go and let this child make their own choices for their life. And sometimes they're not going to make the best ones. And sometimes Charlotte, even right now, doesn't always make the best choices that she needs to. And there is a struggle for sure to to be on top of her about it, but to recognize at some point I'm not even going to have a voice anymore in this. And I'm really going to have to let her go to the Lord. It's hard. She's 15 mm -hmm. and she's probably good at being 15. She is. She absolutely <laughs> is. Yep. I wanted to go back to uh, basically, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast you don't know what they're going through and maybe they either themselves have a child who's going through medical issues or maybe they have a loved one who is. I think we do, uh, and you addressed it earlier, that we have as humans sometimes the propensity to, to question God, to be angry at God, to go, why? Why are you allowing this? This is a baby. This is a child. It seems in our humanity unfair what would you want those those parents or those family members to know? I think a key is that we've got to know our God. Because if we can know the character of God, the heart of him, and that he does all things for good, if we can really believe that he has 
his glory and our good at the heart of everything that he does, then we can take that first step of surrender. And I think we can have a clearer perspective on the way that we look at what's happening. For instance, my my husband really went through a season of really wrestling how a good God would let this happen to a little girl. And he really settled into eventually that place of recognizing if this illness is what it takes for Charlotte to know God intimately and personally and live her life for his glory and fulfill his purpose for her, if this is what that takes, then he wouldn't be a good God if he withheld it from us, from her. And so I think when we recognize, why are we here? Why are we created? What is our purpose? What is our intent? And if our purpose is to have an easy, happy, enjoyable American dream life, God's ways do not line up with that from my experience. But if we are here to say, I am the clay, you are the potter. I am a vessel, you are the one in charge. I'm a tool in your hand. If this is how you choose to use me, your will be done, not mine. But we have to know God in order to trust him enough to do that. So we got to get to know God and we've got to look at the example of Jesus and watch the way that Jesus lived and how he walked in surrender to the Father all the way ultimately to the cross. And when we can align our lives because of what Christ did, we can try to follow in his footsteps. I think that's the only way that we can come to that place. Well, when we look at the life of Christ, he also practiced surrender. When he's in the garden praying and crying out to God and saying, it's not my will, but yours be done. You know, Charlotte being sick was not your will, but thine be done. Right, right. I also love that you use the metaphor of the potter and the clay. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to uh, sit at potter's wheel, but uh, I one time got to do that at a friend's house. And it looks so easy when you watch it on video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is nothing easy about it. You have to put a constant pressure on the clay to get it in the shape that you want it to be. And it's a consistent pressure. Like it is, it, you have to have the same pressure from all sides. I mean, it's it's quite a strength-based task to do. And it is not easy on the clay. It is not easy on the potter. It is a work. And just looking at, you know, when we use that metaphor, it's a beautiful metaphor, but it's not an easy metaphor. It is not an easy thing to be molded. Absolutely. I actually took a, um, a pottery type class uh, in my freshman year in high school, and um, it was a mess. And I, I like to think of myself as a person who is in control and can make good decisions and can do good things and um, that I would very much manage my life well if I was the one in control of it. But the truth is, as much as of a mess as I made on that, uh, I never could make anything look right. Um, I realize 
you know, through Charlotte's life and my journey with her that I actually don't do near as good of a job as being the potter as I do as being the clay. Um, and uh, I actually have a fun story to share that um, that I often go back to when I remind myself that I would make a better potter. Um, and uh, so, like I said, early on, we didn't have a diagnosis. And so we were debating whether or not to have a third child. And all the geneticists at Stanford, you know, the smart, really smart people, all they could tell us is, well, you have one healthy kid and one sick kid, I'd say you got a 50-50 chance. Not helpful, thank you. Um, and so because, though, we were all tested genetically and at the time they couldn't find a link, we decided, okay, we're going to go for it and we're going to have another baby. And so when Charlotte was three, we had another baby. Um, and like I said earlier, we didn't get her actual diagnosis, her gene mutation, until she was five. And had we known at that time what it was, that it was a gene mutation, we probably would not have chosen to go on to have another baby. And of course, my little Lacey is like a jo the joy of my life, uh, as all my children are. But I just think often, wow, I would have made a different decision for my life had I been in control. But again, thank you, Lord, for your timing. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you that you are the one making the decisions for my life um, and not just me because I am not the fabulous potter that I wish I was. <laughs> and that I think that goes to uh, your previous question about letting Charlotte go because not only do I want to be the potter in my life, but let's be honest, I would like to be the potter in my children's lives as well. And so letting them go, creating space for them to be the clay and him to be the potter in their life, it's, it's just that extra layer of surrender. Well, Nicole, I just want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and Charlotte's story with us. I, I really do think it's something that we need to grasp hold of of surrendering. <laughs> it sounds like a oxymoron that we are grasping hold of letting go, mm -hmm. but that really is the concept we have to embrace of surrendering over to Christ. Yeah, you're right. We all, most of us have some kind of control issues and being able to let go and say, God, you have to be leading and directing my life. And even though I might not always like the turns that it's taking, you know best. Mm -hmm. It is your wisdom and I need to surrender over to it. And so again, thank you today for coming and joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us by listening to today's podcast. Maybe you are going through a difficult or dark time in your own life and you want to experience the goodness of God that was discussed today. You can call a 24-hour prayer line at 1-800-700-7000 and someone will be there to talk to you and pray with you in this difficult time.